When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. upon a time and welcome to the story story podcast i'm your host rachel ann harding and i have some stories for you this is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world it will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely we are going to jump right into stories for this episode because they are about Nasruddin, Nasruddin, the Hoja, the Mullah. He is the main character of hundreds of stories, and he's a fool, a trickster, and very wise in ways you don't suspect. He was a real person and a contemporary of Rumi, but rumor is they hated each other. In this episode, there are 11 Nasruddin stories and 11 storytellers, which is a record for this podcast. The stories are usually shorter, some just a minute long. The first section of stories features four tellers, Priscilla Howe from Kansas City, Douglas McKay from Scotland, Rebecca Lemaire, who might be in Spain at the moment, and Denise Barrett from Richmond, Virginia. Each of these tellers sent me a story about the Hoja and his most faithful and loving and constant companion, his donkey. One day, Nasruddin Hoja went out to cut wood. He climbed up in a tree, and he was sawing off the limb that he was sitting on. Clever Peter went by and said, You're going to fall, you know. Hodja looked down and said, Mind your own business. No, no, you're going to fall. You're sitting on the limb you're sawing. Oh, go away. I'm not going to fall. So Clever Peter shrugged and went on his way. It wasn't long before there was a huge crack, and Nasruddin Hodja fell on the ground. That limb cracked right in two, and he fell. He got up and dusted himself off, and he ran after Clever Peter. You told me you told me I was going to fall, and I did. So that means you can tell the future. Tell me, when am I going to die? Clever Peter said, I don't know when you're going to die. No, you do know. You do. You just tell me. You just You foretold my future, and now I need you to tell me when I am going to die. Clever Peter said, I really don't know when you're going to die. The Hoja said, you do know. Stop holding back. Tell me. Clever Peter said, very well. I'll tell you when you're going to die. You will die when your donkey has farted seven times. Hoja said, oh dear. Oh dear. Thank you. Thank you very much. And he went back and loaded his donkey up with the wood that he'd cut. And he set off toward home. He was going up a hill. It was quite a load on that donkey. And all of a sudden, the Hodja heard, Oh no, that's one. I've only got six to go. And then I'll be dead. Take it easy, donkey, take it easy. He went up that hill. And there was one more fart. Oh, no. Okay, okay, I've got five to go. I I'm, I may make it home before I die. I don't know. He kept on going and... <coughs> oh, no, two in a row. I'd better dig my grave. He, he had a shovel, and so he got off his donkey, took the shovel out of the saddle, and started to dig 
his grave right there, right where he was, which was um, in the middle of the road. He dug that grave, and as he did, oh no, oh no, he, he waited, and he heard the last, the last fart of the donkey. He sat down in his grave, and he lay down, because he knew he was dead. The donkey had farted seven times, and he knew he was dead. So he lay down in that grave, and he heard something. Bells. Tinkly bells. He looked up to see what it was. There was a camel driver taking his wares to market. All the camels wore bells. When the Hodges sat up, it spooked the camels, and they started running. The camel driver came up to see what had scared them. He said, "'What are you doing?' You're in a, you've dug a hole in the middle of the road. Hodja said, I'm sorry, but I died today. And um, so that's why. Oh, you died? And the camel driver took his stick and started to hit the Hodja with it. The Hodja got up and he ran all the way home. He said to his wife, you know what happened to me today? I died. Yes, I died. And I have to tell you, the camel drivers in heaven are just as cruel as they are on earth. Late spring was giving way to summer, and as the sun beat down the Molinas Rudin, Hodja, to his friends, decided it was time to take some rest under the shade of an old chestnut tree in the middle of his courtyard. He'd worked all morning tending his flowers, sweeping the court, and considering important worldly matters. It had been quite exhausting. Well, he dusted out and laid out his woven blanket underneath the boughs of the old chestnut tree that grew in the centre of the courtyard. He lay himself flat upon it and he gazed up at the few wisps of cloud that tickled the blue, clear sky. Birds chirped happily in the branches above. Insects buzzed in the bright flower beds. A gecko darted along the wall. Where's the picture of tranquility? Life was pretty good. And it would be all the better for a little nap. Well, he closed his eyes and he let the summer sounds wash over him. But some sounds were less relaxing than others. Hodja! Hodja! Damn it! Who could that be? He cocked his ear and listened. Hodja! Hodja! Oh no! It was worse than he thought. If he wasn't mistaken, that voice belonged to his troublesome neighbour, Ibrahim. Now, Ibrahim was one of those neighbours who didn't necessarily mean to be a pest, but he was. He was always in need of something, and he was also very clumsy. He would always take more than he could ever give back, and that became tiresome for those who lived close to him. Well, the mullah was usually happy to help, but the last time he'd lent him his clay cooking pot, it had come back with an enormous crack down the side and leaked water thereafter. The time before he'd lent him his cart and it had been returned with a buckled wheel, most annoying on market days. Well, sure as the day is bright, he'll be after something, thought the Hodja. But with his nap disturbed, he was feeling less charitable than usual. A bearded man, a bearded head with a cream turban, leaned over the gate. Aha! There you are, Hodja, sleeping in the middle of the day. I wish, thought the Hodja. 
Well, after some niceties, Ibrahim got to the point. Hoja, I've come to ask for you of a favour. I'm in great need of something, and I know you're a man renowned for your kindness and grace. A man of great standing and reputation. Hmm. I need to travel to the city. It is very urgent, and I wondered if you'd let me borrow your donkey. My donkey, exclaimed the mullah. Well, how could this man be so bold, so impudent? The mullah used his donkey every single day. He depended on it. It was more than just an animal to him. It was like a friend, his best friend, maybe. If anything happened to his donkey, he wouldn't know what to do. No, this was simply out of the question. But he didn't want to get a reputation for being mean and miserly. Hmm, a little white lie would have to do. I'm very sorry, Ibrahim, I would love... But unfortunately, the donkey isn't here. Isn't here? Where is it? Uh, I've already lent it to someone. Really? Who did you lend it to? When will it be back? Maybe I could wait here until it is returned. Well, the mullah was just beginning to doubt the wisdom of his words when, from the direction of the stables, sounded, Hee-haw! Hee-haw! Well, the men looked at each other wide-eyed, and with a look of outrage and indignation, Ibrahim spoke, Hodja! The sound of that donkey braying tells me that you have been lying to me. Well, said the Hodja, if you believe that donkey's word over mine, it proves that you're no true friend of mine and I won't be lending you anything. And with that, he escorted Ibrahim from his courtyard and chuckled happily to himself as he lay under the shade of that old chestnut tree. Once upon a time, Nasruddin was resting just outside his house, soaking in the afternoon sun, when his grandson came up to him. His grandson said, Grandpa, people in the village, they talk about you. They say you're a fool. They say you do silly things. And I find it a little embarrassing. I was wondering, why, why don't you act normal? Why don't you behave like the other grandpas and the other adults in the village? Nasruddin smiled and he said, look, tomorrow the market is four villages away. I think we'll go, you and I, and we'll take the donkey and maybe you'll learn something. Okay, said the grandson. The next morning they set off. The little boy was sitting on the donkey, he was still a little tired. Nasruddin was walking next to the donkey and off they went. When they reached the first village, people seemed to be whispering and looking at them. Nasruddin's grandson realised, yeah, they were talking about them. What could they be saying? As they got closer, he heard what they were saying. Look at that young boy sitting on the donkey while his poor old grandfather has to walk. Ha! No respect for the elderly. Nasruddin's grandson was mortified. It was never his intention to disrespect his grandfather. And he looked at Nasruddin and said, Grandpa, I'm not so tired anymore. Would you like to sit on the donkey? I can walk. Nasruddin smiled and said, As you wish. And so they carried on their way towards the next village, Nasruddin sitting on the donkey this time, and the little boy walking. When they reached the second village, 
people were whispering again. Yes, the little boy could see them. They were pointing a little. What could they be saying this time? He then heard what they were saying, one of the groups. Oh, look at that poor little boy having to walk while that man is just sitting, relaxing on the donkey. Oh, terrible behaviour. Why wouldn't he let his little boy sit on the donkey? Nasruddin's grandson looked at Nasruddin and said, Grandpa, in the last village they seem to be saying you should be sitting on the donkey. Now they're saying it should be me. What can we do? Nasruddin smiled and said, well, what would you like to do? The little boy thought about it and said, well, let's both sit on the donkey. And so they did. They carried on their way. They were reaching the third village and there were people there on the path and, yeah, as you can guess, they were whispering again. They were talking about them. They were pointing at them. And this time, they were saying, look at those terrible people mistreating this poor donkey. Terrible behavior. Nasruddin's grandson looked at his grandpa. Grandpa, they're talking about us again. Nasruddin smiled and said, well, what would you like to do? And the grandson said, well, I know, let's give the donkey a rest. Let's just walk. Nasruddin said, as you wish. And so they carried on their way. They were reaching the fourth village where the market was. When again, people were whispering, people were pointing. And what's worse, this time, people seemed to be giggling, laughing at them. And then they heard them. Ha, look at those people. They have a donkey and they don't even use it. Ha, such fools, such fools. Nasruddin's grandson looked at his grandpa in despair and said, they're talking about us again. What can we do? Nasruddin smiled and said, well, what would you like to do? The little boy thought about it, but really not very long, to be honest, and not very deeply. And he said, I know. Let's go into the market, you and I, carrying the donkey on our shoulders. But as soon as the words had left his mouth, he realised what he was saying. He looked up at his grandfather, who looked down at him, and both of them burst out laughing. Nasruddin had lost his donkey. And he went all over the village looking for it. The other people in the village came out of their houses and began to help him. They searched in every shed, every alley. They searched far out from the boundaries of their town. But at the end of the day, the villagers came back to Nasruddin's house to tell him that his donkey could not be located. They found him sitting on his prayer rug, giving thanks to the Almighty. The villagers said, Hoja, of course it is always right to pray, but why are you saying prayers of thanksgiving? We have searched all over the village and even beyond, and... It seems that your donkey is really and truly lost forever. Nasruddin looked up at them and said, 
Ah, but that is exactly why I am giving thanks. Just imagine what would have happened if I were on the donkey. Today's fairy tale sponsor is Froggy's Barbecue, with the best barbecue this side of the Magic River. Ribs, brisket made from scratch sauce, and you have to try the appetizers. Barbecued crickets and mealworm sliders are just the tip of the anthill. Hop on in. You know we had to use that pun. People buzz about this place, and they do sell out. Froggy's Barbecue, best ribbits in town. We have a new review on iTunes titled Love, five stars, by Sea Urchin from Canada, who writes simply, I love your podcasts, and I always listen to them when I'm bored. Well, Sea Urchin, we are happy to help alleviate boredom. Thank you for your review. This second set of stories will pass by a bit faster. These seven tellers have chosen some of the shorter stories and will follow the Hoja in and out of many situations with storytellers Sean Buvala from Arizona, Laura Deal from Boulder, Colorado, Sue Searing from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Caleb Weinbrenner from Phoenix, Arizona, Liz Weir from Northern Ireland, Richard Martin from the UK, who currently resides in Germany, and Laura Packer from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And here we go. The wise fool was invited to a meal by the great king. As the meal progressed, the king made his way around from table to table to speak to each of his guests. When he arrived at the table of the great teacher, he said to the teacher, How did you enjoy the stew? The teacher thought for a moment, looked at the king and said, I thought the stew was delicious. The king looked at him and said, Hmm, interesting. I thought the stew was rather bland, wasn't tasty at all. Hmm. The teacher looked at him and said, let me think about that for a moment. Yes, yes, you are correct. The more that I think about it, the more that I think that the stew was bland and not very tasty at all. You are correct. The king then said to him, wait a minute. Just a few moments ago, you told me that you really liked the stew, and now you tell me that you do not. What is going on? The wise teacher thought for a moment, and he said, well, I live in a town with a king, and I serve the king. I don't serve the stew. And then one time Nasruddin was taking a nap on the porch. And he dreamed that a total stranger came to him and promised him ten pieces of gold. And he began to count the gold into Nasruddin's hand. And he got to nine. And he stopped. Nasruddin said, wait, you promised me ten. But then he woke, and he saw that his hand was empty. So he closed his eyes again and said, Fine, fine, I'll settle for nine. (laughs) Nasruddin often traveled about the country preaching. And one time he came to a town and went to the mosque and began to declaim his wisdom, while also criticizing the local wise men and calling them ignorant fools. Of course, the local wise men did not like this, and they schemed together to have him arrested. He was charged with blasphemy and being dangerous to the security of the state. When the day of the trial came, Nasiruddin stood on one side of the courtroom, his seven accusers on the other, and the judge in the middle. The judge turned to him and said, Nasiruddin, 
You are the defendant in this case. You may make the statement first. Your Honor, would you please have some paper and pens brought to the courtroom? An unusual request, but the judge complied. When his clerk returned with paper and pens, Nasiruddin said, Please, have them distributed to those alleged wise men. And once the seven wise men had paper and pen in their hands, Nasiruddin said, Your Honor, please instruct them to write down, without any consulting with each other, the answer to a simple question that I shall pose. And the question is this. What is bread? There was no sound but the scribbling of pens for a moment, and then the clerk collected the answers and brought them to the judge. Your Honor, said Nasiruddin, please read them aloud. And so the judge did. The first said, Bread is a food. The second said, Bread is flour and water. The third said, Bread is a gift from God. The fourth, Baked dough. The fifth, Changeable meaning, Depending on circumstance. The sixth, A metaphor for something nutritious, Be it physical or spiritual. And the seventh, It's a trick question. Nobody really knows. "'Aha!' exclaimed Nasiruddin. "'You see, Judge, these wise men cannot even agree on what bread is, "'a substance that they have eaten every day of their lives. "'And yet they claim to be unanimous in their knowledge that I am a heretic.'" And the judge dismissed the case. I just love a good dinner party, don't you? One day Nasruddin was so excited, he had gotten word that there was going to be a wonderful feast in the town. And so he marched up to the castle. He wanted to get his invitation. And the guards saw him, and they saw his poor man's clothes, and they laughed at him. Ha ha! You could not come to this banquet. This is a banquet for princes. Kings, dignitaries, important people, look at you. Hmm. Come back when you're someone important. So Nasruddin walked away, disappointed but not yet disheartened. He wasn't going to give up. It turns out that Nasruddin had a wealthy friend with many, many fine clothes. So he went to that friend and he asked, Could I borrow a suit of your clothes? perhaps even with a fine cap, and those delightful golden shoes, you know, the ones with the the twirly toes and the little bit of a bell, I want to look fabulous. And that's what Nasruddin did. He even had a wonderful purple vest that really made it all come together, and he walked tall and proud. The day of the banquet had come, and he was ready, and he saw that same guard. And wouldn't you know, The guard didn't recognize him. Welcome, sir. My, look at your fine suit of clothes. You must be someone very important. And so they let him in. And there were all those tables laden with many wonderful kinds of food. Oh, it was 
Oh, delicious. And then they passed that spicy soup. Oh, it smelled wonderful and it had that rich red gold broth. So Nasruddin took a ladle of it and he poured it all over his clothes. Several people were shocked. My good sir, what are you doing? That is a fine set of clothes. Why did you just pour soup all over it? Nasruddin smiled. It was the suit of clothes that got me in the door. I figured they might as well eat first. Nasruddin used to like to travel around the countryside in a donkey. He always sat on the donkey facing the tail because he liked to see where he'd been. One week he'd been travelling around and when it came to giving a sermon to the people, he had nothing prepared. So he came before them and he said, People of Aksha here, do you know what I've come to tell you? And the people shook their heads and said, No, Mullah, why should I waste my time with you? The next week, again, he travelled around, had nothing prepared. And when he went back, he said, People of Aksha here, do you know what I've come to tell you? And they all said, Yes, Mullah. Oh, then he said, I have no need. After a third week, with still nothing prepared, he went before them and he said, People of Aksha here, do you know what I've come to tell you? And some of the people said, Yes, Mullah. And some of the people said, No, Mullah. And he said, Those of you who do know, tell those of you who don't. With that, he turned and went on about his travels. Now, Nasruddin, when he was an old man, his friends were sitting there one evening talking about this, talking about that. As we men sometimes do, they began talking about wives. And his friends turned to him and said, Nasruddin, Nasruddin, tell us, why is it that you are never married? Oh, my friends, he said. When I was a young man, I thought of getting married, but... I decided if I should take a wife, why, she must, of course, be perfect. And his friends nodded, yeah, good idea, yeah, 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 yes. For me, a woman who who I take as a wife, she must be very beautiful. Um, And she must be very intelligent. Uh, And she must cook very good food. And Nasruddin's friends nodded. They understood. And indeed, my friends, when I was a young man, I heard of such a woman. Her fame was great. And I, I, I knew she lived to the north. I travelled long. I travelled hard. At last, my friends, I arrived. Oh. The woman, she was indeed, I could see, very beautiful. And my friends... She took me in and together we sat and we talked and I, because here she was indeed, very, very intelligent, very wise indeed. Ah, but then my friends, she gave me some food to eat. Ah, yes, Nasruddin, they said, there is always a problem. Yeah, but... I was young and I still was full of hope. I I heard of another woman. Her fame was great. She lived far to the east. I travelled long. I travelled hard. Oh, my friends, when I came there at last, (gasps) 
I saw that she too was beautiful. Oh, she saw that I was hungry. She sat me down. She gave me to eat. The food was wonderful. Oh, at the end, my friends, we began to talk. Nursery in there is always a problem. Yes, but I was full of hope. I heard of another woman. Her fame was great. Uh, She lived to the south. I travelled long. I travelled hard. My friends, it was so late in the day when I came there, it was already dark. She took me in and she sat me down. She gave me to eat. Oh, the food, marvellous. Oh, and we talked and we talked in that darkened drum. Mmm, such pearls of wisdom. Ah. But then, my friends, she lit a candle. Nasruddin, there is always a problem. Yeah, but my friends, I was full, young and full of hope. I heard of a woman, her fame was great, she lived far to the west. I travelled long, I travelled hard. But when I came there, oh, not only was she far more beautiful than the other women I had met, ah, not only was the food the most wonderful I'd ever eaten, not only were the things she said the most intelligent, so full of wisdom, ah, Nasruddin, you, you, you met the perfect wife, but then why did you not marry her? My friends, there was still a problem. A problem? Yes. I then found that she was looking for the perfect husband. (laughs) My name is Laura Packer, and this is one of my favorite Nasruddin stories. So it was that one day Nasruddin found himself on a train... He settled into his seat and watched the world fly by the window, watched the people around him admire the children playing in the aisles, and was contented with the world. After a little while, the conductor of the train came down the aisle looking for tickets, and as soon as he did, Nasruddin reached into his pocket to pull out his ticket, but it wasn't there. He checked another pocket and another, and by the time the conductor had come to him, Nasruddin was frantically patting himself up and down, trying to find his train ticket. The conductor, fortunately, was a patient man and said, well, have you checked your inside coat pocket? And so he did. Have you checked in your hat band? And so he did. Perhaps it fell out under the seat and the men crawled underneath the seats looking for the tickets. This, of course, attracted great attention, and people all around them soon joined in in the search for the missing ticket. They checked under seats, they checked behind cushions, they checked in their own pockets and their books to see if perhaps they were using it as a bookmark. They checked in their children's pockets, they checked in the trash, they checked everywhere they could, and soon everybody in the car was searching for the ticket and talking and laughing about the foolish old man who lost his his pass. Nasruddin stood still and watched everyone around him and smiled. He pulled off his hat and reached into the internal band and pulled out his train ticket. He handed it to the conductor. The conductor looked at him and puzzled and said, But was it there all along? And Nasruddin said, Of course, I always put my train tickets there. But why did you say it was lost? Look at what a furor you've caused. Ah, said Nasruddin, but look at them. They're all having so much fun. 
Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Priscilla Howe, Douglas McKay, Rebecca Lemaire, Denise Barrett, Sean Buvala, Laura Deal, Sue Searing, Caleb Weinbrenner, Liz Weir, Richard Martin, and Laura Packer on the internet. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. You can find me and the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor is Mark Goldman. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors on social media and let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. If you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast or discover sponsorship opportunities, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com. If it isn't in the cards to support the podcast right now, no worries. Perhaps you'd be willing to go write a review on iTunes, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. Head over to the website and join the mailing list for hidden goodies. And if you tune in, you'll hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal 